Vision are the things that come into the church. You see the book of Acts. There's this drift towards all sorts of things except Jesus. There's this distraction away from the things of God. And there's this... If the enemy can do it, he'll use division to, to sow seeds of doubt and factionalism and sectarianism and all these isms into our lives. And we've got to make sure that we are focused on Jesus. So I want to ask three questions, which I've kind of mentioned. Let me just make this the vision of Jesus. The message, the message remember, the message is Jesus. The message is Jesus. The vision of the church is Jesus and the kingdom. It's the kingdom, Jesus and his king, the king and the kingdom. And you need both, king and kingdom. You can't have the king without the kingdom and you can't have the kingdom without the king. And you need both. And um, this is absolutely key for what God has for us. Our vision is Jesus and his kingdom. All that that means, it's massive categories. You can double click on multiple things. It's the whole scriptures are in there and all sorts of things. But I want to ask a couple of questions. I want to ask this question first. Is Jesus a focus of your life or is Jesus a feature in your life? Is Jesus the focus of our lives or is Jesus a feature in our lives? I don't know if they still have it, but they used to, when I was growing up, they used to have the, the Saturday night feature film. Remember that? Feature movie or you go to, remember the drive-in days, you kind of would have the other one and then you'd have the feature. Drive-in, that's old, eh, Gary? We dated going to the drive-in, but that was not good. Not good. Thank goodness they closed down the drive-ins. Yeah, I had a yellow panel van. I used to open the back. Oh. Children in the room. Is Jesus a feature or is he the focus of our lives? Friends, this is so important. Exactly, you don't even know what a panel van is. What's that? You know what a panel van is, eh? Yes, that thing cost me 125 bucks. Not even bloking. It was a mess. I fixed it up, spray painted it, body filled it, fixed it, got it. It was canary yellow was the paint that they had for free. So I fixed that thing. I drove it. I literally used it for 10 years. It was amazing. Toyota little panel van thing. It was a security vehicle. It had a big gash on the side. Fixed that. It was Eventually it was so rusted. It was so hectically rusted at the back that I had to put blankets in it, otherwise you get fumed, fumed out going into the university, driving down the road. By the time you get there, you've been coughing and spluttering because of the fumes in the car. Sold it for two and a half grand. How's that? <laughs> Poor bugger. Poor bugger that bought that. It's probably still going, you know what I mean? Is Jesus the focus or the feature of our lives? What I'm trying to say is this, is he something that, that we add into our lives or is he something that carries, that, that leads our lives? The kind of leaders, uh, Dawn was saying in the, in the break now, she was just talking about how Jesus had been, God had been speaking to her about how she is a leader because she's following Jesus, the leader. You see, you can't help but be a leader if you're following the good shepherd, the great shepherd. The great apostle, if you're following him, if you're following him, you're leading. Friends, people will follow. 
You'll be influencing without even knowing it, you're influencing. This is why we've got to break the mindset in our heads that leaders are a special category. We need leaders. We need people breaking open. We need pioneers, leaders with all sorts of gifts, friends, all sorts of, all the various kinds of gifts. But it's, it's leaders that have Jesus as their focus, not as some feature in their lives. Where it's a Saturday night or a Sunday morning slot in your life, but actually the rest of the week Jesus is no longer featured. Is Jesus the focus of our lives? Or is he the feature or a feature in our lives? I've told you the story. We've had friends of ours when we first came to Glenridge. We were 27, 28 years old. And God had started working with us when we were in Scottborough of all places in a tiny little church with 20 people in it. If you didn't pitch, they knew you weren't there. If you didn't sing, they knew you weren't singing. If you didn't give, they knew you weren't giving. And you knew you, knew you weren't giving because the pastor was starving. It's like, that's how it was. So he prepared us there. We were at HCF, which is now, it was the mushroom farm, which is now H City Hill. So we used to go there pew warm. And literally Jesus was a feature in my life. I think Paul Spooner relates to this as well because he was very much a feature guy as well back in the day. But, and if I wasn't playing hockey, Jesus featured. If I wasn't having a dop, Jesus featured. If I wasn't doing my own thing, Jesus featured. And what happened was God started preparing us there. God brought us to Glenridge and Chris Finan stood up on the stage in my first and there was just, things were going off. People were howling, barking, roaring, it was like the Toronto thing was going off and we just sat there, what is this thing? And, and then Chris Vienna gets up with a glass in his hand and on the stage in DLR Hall and he throws it on the floor. <laughs> Splattered all over the place. Hey, glasses on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> See, Raymond, you, but... <laughs> ah, yeah. And, and it, it was like something... God did something in us to unlock us where Jesus stopped becoming a feature in our life. Friends, our first meeting at Glenridge, we sat with our friends who were at, he was my best man and he was married, he was not married, they were about to get married. And after our meet, we went to Glenridge, we thought, you know, we know some people there. In fact, he knew Ashley Bell, Ashley and Nadine. And we said, no, we'll go there, you know, we know some people. Okay, we'll come with you. After the meeting, we went down to Cattleman's on the beachfront. You've heard the story. Cattleman's was a, like a restaurant pub thing on the beachfront. And we sat there having a beer together and saying, that's it, we're not going to get involved with this church thing. We're going to go there, but we're not going to... It's basically, we're going to let Jesus feature in our lives. And we made this declaration. And suddenly, Jesus had other plans. And he became the focus of our lives and slowly but surely, as he stopped featuring and started focusing, all of a sudden the prayer meeting became non-negotiable for us. All of a sudden, all leaders meetings. We had these all leaders meetings in Mansfield Hall. It was like, actually, I couldn't wait to get there. This is from Cattleman's, listen, this thing's not good. We're just going to go and do our thing. He, his dad was a pastor, so he was like a pastor's kid. And we were like all in agreement with this is what we're going to do. And God said, no, you're not. Actually, I need to be your focus, not the feature in your life. You build hockey around me. You don't build hockey, me around hockey. Sport. I was a rugby fanatic. 
two liters of Coke, bottle of Clippies, rugby. That was me for the day. I loved it. Work thing. Suddenly it became, cheapest. Oh, I actually can't do this anymore. And slowly but surely, Jesus started becoming the, the focus of our lives. And still, all these years later, I'm saying, God, please be the focus of my life. Let me not drift. Let me not get distracted. Jesus, please let me not get miffed. Please let me not get cynical. Please not let me not get grumpy. Please let me find the joy in what you're doing and in my life and in the people of God. And Father, please, stay focused. Let me pray. We drift into futurism, if there's such a word. Tell you what, friends, is Jesus a focus or is he a future in your life? The leaders of this church need people where Jesus is the focus of their lives. Because if Jesus is the focus of your life, he will become the focus of those around you. Very simple. Another question for us. Is Jesus your master or is Jesus your servant? Is Jesus our master or is Jesus our servant? You know, friends, Jesus can be the guy you call on when you're in trouble. Jesus is the guy that you go to when you, go to when you need a funeral done. Jesus is the guy that you need when your baby needs prayer. Jesus is the guy that you need when, when we're in trouble. But actually what we're saying is, Jesus, you're my servant. Rather than, Jesus, you're my master. Because all of that comes under Jesus, my master. Jesus is Lord, friends. It's like, it's like the, 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 that we've got to get back to this thing, that Jesus is in charge of my life. I don't pull Jesus into situations when I'm in trouble. I remember sitting praying with a man here. He was going to get prosecuted because somehow he had been implicated at work for fraud and he had nothing to do with it. He was completely innocent. On his knees saying, God, please help me. Please help me. Praying for him. Quite a few years ago now. Today, friends, he's not serving God. I'm thinking, Jesus, surely. I see church leaders, friends. Leading church one moment and not believing in the, in, the, in the people of God another moment. Is Jesus our master or is he our servant? It doesn't matter what title we've got, friends. We function under the master. It doesn't matter what title we've got. You don't have to have a title to do what God's called you to do. Doug and Sheena don't need to be called elders in this church to shepherd people. It's, it's because he's not our, our servant, he's our master. We're at his beck and call. It kind of sounds old school, but it's like actually new school now. Jesus is, not, is the focus of our lives, not just a feature, and he's also our master, not our servant. He's not the slot machine that we put in and hope that we hit the jackpot with. He's the one that we follow through thick and thin. Understanding that maybe my generation won't see what I'm expecting him to do, just like half of Hebrews 11 did. They died with faith, not seeing what they were hoping for. One guy was cut in half. You've got to know that guy was, Jesus was his master. Another guy was saved from the sword. 
We want this story. We don't want that story. When Jesus is our master, we, we follow him. We pay the price. It's not convenience Christianity, friends. More and more and more. And we talk about a younger generation that wants authenticity. Friends, we don't serve Jesus when we feel like it. We serve Jesus because he is king. It's difficult at times. And serving Jesus is not just about me serving Jesus. It's about me serving Jesus in a community of people. Understanding that I'm a, leading, a leader and people are taking their cue off of me. I'm an example to them. So if I'm exampling Jesus as master, even when it's difficult, they will get that. It's caught and not taught so many of these things. Another question. Is Jesus just a mechanism or is Jesus the meaning of our life? I alluded to it earlier. It's like a theological concept, Jesus. He's the way to the Father so I can go to heaven one day. It's like a mechanism. Or is he a man of meaning? That actually Jesus, because of who he is, he brings meaning to my life. And outside of him, I have not got meaning, friends. Outside of a relationship with the creator, Yahweh, what have we got? And advertising is telling you that you can have it with all this stuff. And nothing satisfies except him. He gives meaning to our lives. He's not just a mechanism. It means this, to, to, for Jesus to be meaning, it means it's all of my life. I want to remind us again, I know I'm in many respects speaking to the choir here. It's all of our lives, friends. It's not Sunday and maybe Thursday for prayer. It's all of our lives. Jesus is the meaning maker. He's the one that gives substance to who I am. I find rest in that. I find peace in that. I find, I find purpose in that. I'm going to stand on some toes now. Is Jesus about mountains or is Jesus about people? And I'm going to explain what that means. You know, friends, there's a, there's a thing going around in the church and it's all around. It's the in thing, the seven mountains teaching. Just so you know, that's not new. That was Abraham Kappa who brought that into being in the early 1900s. He was a prime minister of Holland and a Christian. And so what we do is what we do is we, we what the idea of it is, is that actually what it's trying to do, it's trying to get people beyond the four walls of the church into society. That's what it's trying to do. The problem is, friends, the church is one of the seven mountains, which is a complete misunderstanding of the church. The church is what is not what exists in a building. You and I are the church. So when we're in society, that is the church operating. The church is over those things. And the church is meant to be in politics and business and economics and education and all of those things. But friends, the church is not one of the mountains. Number one, there isn't such a thing. There is the mountain of the Lord, which is based on. It's kind of a, it's, it's a construction to get us beyond the four walls of the church. 
My question is this, friends, or my, my plea is this to us. We've got to remember what's a vehicle and what's the vision. And when you get those things messed up, you end up not hitting Jesus. Remember what I said, the vision is Jesus and his kingdom. That's the vision. The vehicle is the church meeting. The vehicle, friends, is your business. The vehicle is your influence in the world. The vision always stays Jesus and his kingdom. So you take Jesus and his kingdom with you wherever you go. That's the church. It's a group of people that carry the vision of Jesus and the kingdom wherever they go. And the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, the authority and the anointing of God comes through their lives into politics and into business and into education and into whatever else they do. But the vision, friends, the vision is Jesus and the kingdom. Whatever you put alongside Jesus will eventually take the place of Jesus. Can I just say this to us, friends? Your family is not your vision. Jesus and the kingdom stays your, your vision. Your family is the vehicle through which the vision, the Jesus and the kingdom comes through. My children are not my vision. Jesus and the kingdom is my vision. My children, the way I, the way I raise them, the way they bring them up, God has given us children so he could have godly offspring, it says in Malachi. We bring them up because they're part of the vehicle of the kingdom of God coming in and through my life as a display of God's splendor so that people can see what God's like in my life through my children. And so what happens is, friends, is we put the vehicle as the vision. My marriage is not my vision. Marriage is a vehicle so that we can have a picture of Christ in the church. Church meetings is not the vision of God. Church meetings are Jesus in the kingdom is the Jesus in the kingdom is our vision. The church gathering, the church meeting, the church it's part of the vehicle of God that people would walk in through the doors and understand that this is what a community looks like where Jesus is Lord. It's diverse, there's unity, there's difficulty, there's all sorts, there's care, there's love. It's an expression, it's the vehicle of the kingdom of God coming. Church planting, friends, is not the vision of the kingdom. Jesus and the kingdom is the vision. Church planting is how that it gets expressed. Because the reason why we church plant, friends, is we want to see lost people saved. And the best way to do that is to go and plant churches all over the world. That's the vehicle, it's not the vision. As soon as church planting becomes the thing, it displaces Jesus and the kingdom and so we become a church planting movement and we lose Jesus in the church. What is our vision? The vision of the scriptures is Jesus and the kingdom. What's your vision? And is Jesus, are, you, are we allowing God through our gifts, through everything that he's given us to express Jesus in the kingdom. In all of our lives, where it's not just a mechanism, but he's meaning, where he's not, just a he's not just a feature, but he's a focus. And actually, who we are in all of our lives expresses this profoundly through our lives.
The church, friends, is not the vision of the kingdom. It's not the vision. The vision is Jesus and his kingdom. The church is what happens when people of similar vision come together. They, they can't help it. They gather, they work, they encourage, they care for, they look for each other. It becomes this thing called the church, the people of God. And so our big meetings, home groups are not the vision. It's a vehicle to make disciples. Big meetings are not the vision. It's a vehicle which God uses to express the kingdom of God through. And you need all kinds of big meetings, small meetings, big meetings, all kinds. Our groups, small groups, home groups, big meetings, all sorts. Leaders meetings. It's all part of, it's all part gathering and equipping and releasing so that the vision, which is Jesus and his kingdom, can be expressed through our lives. Buildings are not the vision. One of the great tragedies of building projects is that becomes the vision of the church. And when the building project gets finished, there's no more vision. Jesus and the kingdom is his vision. I've had to learn over these years, and I'm telling you now, that's why God has done it. I'm so sorry that we live in this thing. God is teaching me, and he's taken all of you along with this building along it. I apologize right up front. I'm slow of learning. God's had to teach me, friends. The building is not the vision. People are the vision. That Jesus and the kingdom are the vision and that gets expressed through the lives of people and reaching people. The kingdom comes through people, friends. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're pulling the king's carriage, the king is with you. And the king wants out. The king wants to express himself through you. While we're on that moment of church planting as well, I wanted to say this. It's become a fad now, or a thing now, again. I've had three or four of these, these kind of engagements or moments where, where missionaries, it's like, how can I say this? The mission of the kingdom comes with reaching lost, by planting churches, because that's the most effective way of reaching lost people, statistically. And then what you do is you, is you have teams of people that will go and encourage those churches, and then work that needs to be done in those regions gets done through the local church. Leaders get raised up in that local church, they get, and they go out, and so that church becomes productive and becomes reaching people, and so it keeps going and going and going and going. Friends, the idea now that, that missionaries, missionaries are not, it's, it's, we need missionaries. There's people that have given their lives to translating the scriptures into a different dialect. Absolutely amazing. But friends, if it doesn't, stand, doesn't come back to Jesus and the kingdom and a group of people that are manifesting themselves in that region, where local leaders, local people are standing up and preaching the gospel and taking the gospel on, it never ends up doing anything. Friends, we've got to get back to church planting as the mission of God, as the best way to missionally reach people. Not just on short-term stuff. It's such a powerful thing. We, it's kind of part of this thing is that we actually, you, I was speaking this at the, at the Joburg time when we were there with elders, we were speaking to a, a, a couple from um, up somewhere in Joburg by the Port Dam or somewhere. 
and they came from a missionary kind of base and now planting a church. And they were kind of talking about all the stuff that goes on with these kind of missionary things. Be very careful, friends. Give yourself to something that's gonna plant churches and express that life of God through that church plot into nations. And remember, even when we go to other nations, our job is to raise up local leaders and so that they can express that gospel in their language, in their culture, in their tradition, in their way as best as they can. Not to go there and colonize them with our stuff because of the way we understand it. It's to take Jesus and the kingdom. This is so, this is so important because we, we kind of, when, even now, I was talking to Donnie and Ronald Krobler, they lead a church and um, thing. He works into, they're working into Lesotho. And he's saying, please, we need people, we need help, we need people to go into Lesotho. But you see, the, the way of going into Lesotho is they're connected in relationship with local churches there where you're helping, encouraging, building into and helping them do what they call to do in the region. Not just going in there and just doing your thing and kind of in and out. And Friends, it's, it's, it's through relationship and local churches working together. It's very powerful. And, and what happens is even then, there's no promises of things going well. But at least there's a better chance when there's accountability and there's relationship and there's a sense of this is what we're doing. Rather than just going all over the place and doing short-term stuff. It's amazing, we do that. We go into Mozambique, but when we go into Mozambique for a weekend or for a week, we go and connect with the guys that are there and say, how can we help you? How can we build into you? What do you need? What can we, and we, and we work with them so that they can become what God's called them to be in that region. This is all under the heading of don't let church planting be your vision. Let Jesus and the kingdom be the vision. Church planting is a mechanism, it's a vehicle. And I think often what happens is we get the vehicle and the vision messed up, mixed up. So our mission, friends, is to make disciples of Jesus. Our vision is Jesus and the kingdom. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus, make followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. So I'll ask you this question. Are you seated? Got that the wrong way around. Are you saved or are you seated? What I mean by this is this. Jesus comes, we put our faith in him, and we are, sa- we are, we are born into the kingdom of God. But that's not where it stops, friends. We are seated with him in heavenly places. So which means that the mission of God becomes, my heart becomes his heart. The mission of God is, is it's, it's not like you save but you don't do mission and I do. It's like you do discipleship but I do. No, we all do. We saved and seated at the right hand of God. Seated with authority, seated with, with, uh, with purpose. I went to a graduation, Natalie graduated from one of her things the other day, and the lady that was giving the address said this. She said, it's no point getting a degree, okay, you've got a degree and you've got a qualification, now what are you gonna do with it? So God's found you, what are you gonna do with it? Well, first thing to understand is I'm not just saved, I'm seated with him 
in heavenly places, which means that I'm on his mission, which means I'm under his authority. And actually God wants us to, to, to express the mission of his heart to the world around us. Because you are seated, friend. Helen had this saying the other day in our eldest time. She said this, leadership is taken, not given. You see, because we leaded, because we leaded, because we seated, we carry the initiative of God. We carry the heart of God, which means leadership is taken. You, you initiate, you move forward, friends. You don't wait for somebody to say, now, okay, well, you do that. Now, understand we're in a community and we're kind of trying to order, keep some semblance of order, so we're kind of trying to work things out and make sure that we're kind of together on this thing. But the heart of what I'm trying to convey with us this morning is this, is because you are saved, not just seated, you're seated, not just saved. Actually, you, it's your responsibility to take leadership. Take it on. Don't hold back. The last thing the world needs is a church that's holding back. When we've got the message that brings life, when we've got the person that died for this mess, where we've got this powerful Messiah King who can put it all back together again. And we're on that mission. Leadership is taken, not just given. In the Lausanne Commission, Lausanne Conference, a number of years ago, John Stott said this. Maybe you can put it up there, Brad. He said this, discipling the nations requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Discipling the nations needs the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Because we seated, not just saved. Because leadership is taken, we, we step into with boldness what God's got for us. And you work that out in team, yes, indeed. But you know what, friends, you can't work a, 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 a kind of, a, I'd rather be saying, listen, bro, you need to just relax a bit than, every, than, trying, to, than trying to whip people to say, come, guys, let's do this. Like, it's taken, we've got it, there's, a, there's, a, there's an urgency in the kingdom of God at the moment. And if we don't take it, friends, somebody else will. Because God is not short. He's not kind of short on people to use. And part of it is actually God wants us as a community to take this church, which is a 40-year-old church, nearly, next year. This church is in the prime of her life. She's done all the hard work. She's paid for the education. You know, 18-year-old, you've got a whole lot of hard work ahead of you. 40-year-old, You've got, you've got experience, you've got some wisdom, and you've still got energy. That's the phase that this church is in. And friends, we need a group of leaders to stand up and say, actually, count me in. Jesus is my focus. Jesus is my meaning. I'm seated. I'm not just saved. I've got authority, and I understand that God's gifted me with some things. How can put me in place so that I can run in them? Please help us. Help me do that. 
Discipling the nations requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. So my question is simply this. What, do we, what, 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 what does the kingdom demand of us as leaders? I want to say kind of what does Glenridge demand of us as leaders, but actually it's what does the kingdom demand? It's not a Glenridge thing. It's not a, it's not a church. It's a Bible thing. I want to give you a couple of things in kind of non-religious language. I can take you to, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we can go through the qualifications of elders and leaders and deacons and whatever today. But, but I want to just give you, I wrote these things down this morning. Some things, what does it mean to be seated, not just saved? What does it mean to be somebody that is following the good shepherd, following the leader, which means that you are leading? What does it mean? How, 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 is it, how can we be helpful to bring people into what God has got for us and to see people saved? Number one is this. Take care of your workmanship, not just your work. Ephesians chapter two says this, you are a workmanship of God. You are the poem, poema, a work of art. And God has prepared good works for you to do. To be a leader in the kingdom of God, you've got to know that you're part of a workmanship of God. Take care of the workmanship of your own heart, not just the work of God. But take care of once, but there is the work of God. God's prepared in advance work for us to do. But he's also, we are a poem. We are a workmanship. God's busy working in our lives. One of the first things we've got to do as a leadership team is make sure that your heart is hot for God. And whatever's stopping it from being hot for God, deal with it. Whatever's stopping you from stepping back into leadership because you've been burnt, hurt, or disappointed in some other leadership story before. Friends, who cares? Sorry, I do care. But, but actually, so you're going to let the next generation pay the price for your hurt. Come on, guys. You're going to let some other person not find the kingdom because of your hurt. Come on, guys. This is not about you. It's about, and I, man, I, and I cannot just say, I put my hand up for that first. I've had to deal with resentment in my own heart towards people, leaving and tuning and this thing and that thing. Friends, the kingdom of God is so much more bigger, is so much bigger than us. And we cannot let these things come into our lives and make us grumpy and cynical and, oh, you're this thing planting. I got hurt when I know about plants that guys didn't support them and they didn't look after them. Doesn't mean planting's still not God's plan. We can do it better. But don't say no to God because you're hurt. I'm sorry that sounds a bit callous. It's just real. I do care. And if I can help you, I'd love to help you. Warrior, con concern yourself with your workmanship, which means become, stay a good follower of Jesus. It's your responsibility as a leader to stay a good follower of Jesus, not mine. My job is to help you stay there, but it's your job to keep your heart pure. I can't devote you. You have to devote you. I'm not, a, I'm not your controller. Jesus is not. No, Jesus doesn't even do that. Jesus draws you. He doesn't push you. Jesus has got a string, not a rod. Try and push somebody with a piece of string. Not a rod, not a whip. 
He draws you. He says, come, if you want to come, you can come. Come, come. And it's like a very thin piece of thing. It can easily break. Come, come. It's our job, friends, to make sure that our hearts are pure before God. What we should not be doing in the church is looking after leaders when we've got the world to win. Leaders should be looking after themselves and looking after each other and being in a community where we're talking, we're being vulnerable. We, I love the R group thing that's going around. It's, it's vulnerability, it's, trans, it's people being transparent and allowing God into those things and releasing people from bondage. It's been amazing. That's the community. You are a workmanship. Take care of your own workmanship so that we can continue with the work that God's prepared in advance for us. Number two, if we want to be a good leader in the kingdom of God, we've got to be present. Got to be present. You know, God's presence without your presence, nobody knows about Your presence, our presence, is so key. If it was just the band singing and the people weren't present, they'd just be making music. When we are present, remember we are not just present with me, I'm present with I'm the temple. I'm present with the presence of God. I'm pregnant with the presence of God. When I am present with the presence of God, it's combustion. Friends, you've got to be present, which means we've got to be at things that we are doing together. It's no use coming to church on a Sunday because you're serving as a leader. The reason why we gather together, remember it's the vision is Jesus in this kingdom, the church is the vehicle. The reason why we, in fact, the reason why we serve on a Sunday, friends, is not the vision. The vision is not to get people to serve on a Sunday. Jesus and the kingdom is the vision. But serving on a Sunday is a household of faith functioning. If a household of faith can't function, what vision of Jesus and the kingdom do we have? Your presence, our presence is so profoundly required. I've told the story before, being in Glenwood and, and worship and Brad Plainsmith was, was filing in and Greg and his team was filing in. and I mean, all these amazing worship teams coming in, and worship was terrible. Remember that, Greg? <laughs> they, were like, they were like, do we have to go to Glenwood? It was terrible. It wasn't terrible because Brad wasn't anointed or Greg wasn't anointed, whoever was there wasn't anointed. It was terrible because the presence of the people were there. They were there, but not there. They were there in body, but they weren't there in spirit. They, weren't, they were not participating. They weren't hungry. They weren't present, pushing in. Leaders in the kingdom of God are present, not just in person, but in presence. Your presence matters. You carry life. When you're not there, you, something is missing. And again, the vision is not to get people into church. I hope you're hearing that. I'm trying to say the vision is Jesus and his kingdom, but actually as a leader in the church, we want to be present. Because I know when my presence is there, even if I don't talk to anybody, when I'm present, the power of God is there. My faith, my hunger draws something of the presence of God and together we have this incredible moment of worship. Last night was amazing because people were present. God was present. I mean, you can have the presence of people without God. It's just a gathering. 
We need God, presence of God and presence of people for God to do what he wants to do in our life. Kingdom leaders, big idea is to live a life of love. To live for the best of others. Friends, it doesn't matter what we do, the Bible says this, it doesn't matter how spiritual you sound, how faithful you are, you can tell the mountains to move and you can sing in the tongues of angels. If you do not have love, you're a resounding gong, you're just making a noise. You see, for the king, in the kingdom, the motive of why we're we doing it is as important, if not more important, than the end. Do we live a life of love? The reason why I'm there, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going there. I don't, but I go because I love these people and they need me to be there. I live for the best of others. What about this one? Kingdom leaders add value. I said it wasn't going to be like a Bible list, but it's just my list. Kingdom leaders add value. Nick, Nick McMillan said a wonderful thing a while ago. He said this, when you add value, you gain influence. I thought, cheapers, that's true. Friends, as leaders in the kingdom of God, add value wherever you are. In my context, church-wise, etc. I want you to add value here. But God's called us to add value wherever we are. Add value, which means bring something. Don't wait for somebody else or miss the moment. Add value. Even, even I mean, we do this. We do this out in without. You go to somebody's house, you want to t- take them something, a chocolate. or You just want to add value. They've invited you, but you want to add some value. Simple thing. But add value, friends. Add value wherever we are. Add kingdom life wherever you are. Don't leave it for somebody else to to miss the moment and when there's a 50th birthday and there's there's things to be said and everybody's keeping, you step forward and honor the person. Add value. You've got the life of God in you. Your words carry weight. Not because you're weighty, because God's powerfully radiating his life through you. Add value. Wherever we are, let us be a people that add value. You're going to go to a home group, add value. Don't just sit there. Home group leaders know what it's like to have a group of people that just sit there. Okay, so what did God say? Uh, yeah. I said nothing. Eh? It's been quiet this week. Okay. Jeez, God, God took a rest. <laughs> he, just, he, made, he made the seventh day a whole week. Just parked off. No, we add value. Add value. Say something. <laughs> Just say something. Just say like, God is love. Whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Just say something. Add value. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, you know the teams that you lead at work? You know the frustration you have with people that don't take leadership, that don't add value, that think about themselves only? I experience the same thing with all of you. Help me, Ray, I need an HR consultant. I'm only joking, sort of. Friends, you know what we do? 
We seek to add value when we get paid, but when it comes to the kingdom, we park off. Surely it should be the other way around, at least, or at least the same, both. Add value. Must I tell you one way you can add value to people is encourage them. I tell you what, we don't need another word of discouragement in the world that we live in. We need encouragement, encourage, put courage, put value into people. Honor them. Honor them for who they are. Even if there's a whole lot of things they're not, honor them for who they are. Add value. That's what honor means. Honor means to set a value and never let it drop in the Bible. So honor your parents. Set a value and never let that, even if they've been bad, bad, bad parents, honor them. Honor your leaders. Nobody's perfect, but honor them for who they are. Your friends, honor them. Your family, honor them. Add value. That's what it means. Set the value and don't let it drop. And make sure people know they're valuable. It's so easy in today's world to just, ah, you, this and that, and haven't done this yet. Friends, add value. Working that point a bit there. Take initiative. Coming to land here. Take initiative. Take initiative. I send to you Timothy, he says. He's a man of initiative and enthusiasm. Initiative. Take initiative. Don't wait. Leadership is taken. I love that thing of, of Helen's. It's taking initiative. What does it mean for you to take initiative in the kingdom of God? Remembering it's about people. Even if you're an engineer, it's about a people, unfortunately. <laughs> because machines and numbers do what they tell you, what you tell them to do. People don't. Most of the time, a lot of the time. It's about people, friends. It's about becoming the person that God wants you to be to reach all kinds of people. That's what it means to be a leader in the kingdom. Another one is this. To be a leader in the kingdom, be available. Be available. God uses available people. Not even anointed people sometimes. And because you're saying I'm not available, the unanointed one stands up when God's put the anointing on you for the moment. Happens all the time. The wrong people stand up because the ones that should have don't. Take initiative. Work in team, but take the initiative. I want to set you free, friends. Take the initiative. I love, you know, you know Gary and, and Bernie, or Gary and the, the guys on the Tuesday. I mean, maybe they came and spoke to some of you guys. I'd, I didn't even know they were meeting on a Tuesday. When I heard about it, I was so excited. I was so excited that a man would say, I've got some friends, we're going to meet on a Tuesday and meet with some men. Took, his initi took the initiative. God will use that. And many people have been saved through that meeting. The initiative of that was more exciting to me than actually what it was in some, some weird way. Take the initiative. Don't hold back. Don't stand back. Step in. If you don't, the wrong people person does. Hear what I'm saying by that, not what I'm not. Be available. 
Next one, a big one, be hospitable. Kingdom leaders are hospitable. They love strangers. They love strangers. Be available. Be hospitable. Be available to be hospitable. One of the, one of the huge values we used to have as a church is that we used to have lots of people traveling and moving and whatever. We used to host people flat out. Remember those days, Raymond and Kath? There's a day we need to get back into that because your life changes when you host people. I went to um, the Warburton's house the other day for coffee. And I went to, they've got a beautiful office and a beautiful room that they've specifically put there for hosting people. What happens if, we, if actually the church took the initiative and we bought homes where we could maybe host people? And if you couldn't afford it, you moved out of your room and slept with the kids so that the person you're hosting could have your room. You know, you know how uncomfortable that we've had that happen to us. I was like, so I can't believe you're doing this. You can't do this. But you know what? It unlocks something in you as the one being hosted. But more than anything, it unlocks something in that family because those kids know that we are hosting these people. Be hospitable. Love strangers, friends. At, when there's a moment to say we need hosts, and it's coming, friends, you, you do not know the significance that this church has in our ranks as NCMR. People are looking to us. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, please don't look, look at me. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm thinking, God, please, we just like, just trying to just like, just go you know like friends God's called this church to significance not because of me because of what he wanted in the beginning 30 40 years ago and part of that is God is going to send us people to host Dawn's now leaving for this the U.S. for two weeks she's not spending a cent on accommodation she's being hosted in multiple cities because of the gospel and because she has sown that into so many lives telling you friends hospitality needs to be our game friends the table is our environment you put us around a table Jesus comes and whether it's a boardroom table as I've said multiple times whether it's a boardroom table a coffee table a dining room table whatever it is a home group table God comes because we just are those people hospitable love having people seeing the presence of God and speaking life over people Second to last one, servant-hearted. Kingdom people are servant-hearted. No job is too small. And no job is too messy for kingdom people. If it means we have to clean toilets, if it means that we host, it's kingdom people. Again, this is not our vision. Vision is Jesus and the kingdom. But God comes through a servant-hearted people. And your servant-heartedness expresses itself at home first. Emptying the dishwasher. Packing the dishwasher. Amen. Taking out the rubbish on a Wednesday morning. We meant to have like no gender, we're equal. But in our family, no, that's a boy's job. Taking out the rubbish, boy's job. <laughs> Picking through the white little squirmy things, okay, take that thing. It's, you don't, it's like you have to do it. It's like part of the job, you know? It's like that's what we do. <laughs> it's like, 
like guy like Raymond loves that stuff. Like he, what, what's that? I mean, I want more of those. He like collects them. <laughs> Feeds them to his spiders and his other wriggly things. Lastly, and I'm going to talk about this in our last session together. It's such a big thing, this, friends. Kingdom leaders preserve the unity of the faith. Kingdom leaders preserve the unity of the people of God. They don't let offense and stuff get in the way of what God wants to do with a group of people because they understand this, God commands a blessing where you've got togetherness. It doesn't, and I'm gonna talk about this, it doesn't mean uniformity, it doesn't mean you agree with everything, it doesn't mean any of that, but I know this, is that my name is safe in Jenny Ward's mouth. Amen. <laughs> and Gary knows if I'm in a room where he's getting criticized, I'll stop it. Because the unity of the togetherness of the people of God is more powerful than we know. And it releases a blessing and a favor more than we know. And part of the reason why we don't see the power of God in Western churches is because there's so much divisiveness and disunity. I'm telling you now, a people of God together in worship in the presence of God instant combustion a people of God on mission together where we understand that we submit to one another and we honor one another and we take in initiative friends and we and we and we thinking the best of each other we're giving the benefit of the doubt to people friends not the benefit of the of whatever else could come in don't let the small things get in we preserve leaders in God think of this think of this all the qualifications the, the gifts of the spirit the fruit of the spirit all the fruit of the Spirit build relational unity. Love, kindness, self-control. Keep going, goodness. So much of the scriptures is towards this thing where Paul writes a whole book of Ephesians. He writes the whole book of Ephesians and says, I want the church to be one. And then you put on the armor of God to keep it one. It's unbelievably powerful. And I've got this resonating thing. It's like the, 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 the oneness, the churches, the oneness in a city. People move from this church to that church. You cannot, we cannot let the sheep muddy the waters so that there's disunity between me and Richmond Gavin or Robert and Tooley or Mark Nauman or whoever it is that whatever's going on, friends. Fight for that and see the blessing of God come in our church, in our lives, and in our city. We fight for the unity of marriages. So often we're fighting about finances in our marriage, friends. And it's not a financial thing, it's a unity thing. We, 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 we're not together, we're not, we're not finding each other, we're not finding oneness together. The blessing of God comes in unity and oneness. Even in me. Unforgiveness means that I'm unwhole. It means that I'm not a unity. It means that I'm not whole, as Raymond was speaking about last night. Holy is part of holy. 
And when there's unforgiveness, when there's things in my own life and my own thing and I don't, what's happening is I'm not finding oneness with myself and with God. I know that sounds a bit new agey, but you understand what I'm saying. Fight for the unity of the brothers and the sisters and the family. Instant combustion. I don't even know why I'm on this. Like I said, I don't feel like this unity thing is like I'm not, I don't feel like there's a thing. It's almost like I feel prophetically that this is going to be a big thing in our future. Because you know what happens is God comes, and then we get distracted, we start to drift, and we get divided. Because this person didn't do that, and they didn't say this, and whatever. Friends, about Jesus and the kingdom. And we find each other on the, on the big things, and we leave the other things open, and we, and, we, and we fight for each other in the relationships that we have with each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just some thoughts around the mission and the vision. Just really wanting to position us for this next season, friends. God has got so much for for us. Father, I ask you, Lord, even as we eat together now, Lord, let it be a, let it be a, let it be a, a meal where we can break bread and drink wine. Let be a moment of togetherness, of honoring one another, of encouraging one another, of telling people how much we value them, how much we appreciate them. Just thank you for what you're doing in this church, Lord. It feels like I've got a fire that wants to just burn me up. And I pray, Lord God, that you would set all of us alight, Lord. that we would have Gary experiences where the fire people are coming. Jesus, you are building your church. We want to keep your name high and lifted up. We want to keep our vision in Jesus and you and what you're doing in your rule and reign, Lord. And we want to be that group of people that are constantly forming, maturing, and making disciples, making followers of Jesus, leading people towards Jesus and with Jesus, Lord. In your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.